Hello, I'm Frida Morrison, and this is Scots Radio 2023. Felicitations on the epoch, and let me wish you a happy new year. We set off in our usual style that befits a team destined to bring you joyous mirth and merriment. We are tinge of good humour and wisdom. Well, good humour, we might be a bit short in the wisdom, but we'll get over that somehow. We will guide you through the real Scotland and beyond, to the land of stories with the way of the wanderers, traditions, recipes, and the delights of a winter journey, are wrapped up in a complete miracle that is devised and driven by our technical wizard. Come in, Mr. Richard Werner. <laughs> oh no, is that me you're addressing? <laughs> How are we doing, Frida? That's <laughs> me. <laughs> Technical wizard. Okay, did you hear good hogmanay? I had a great hogmanay, thank you. Couple of drams, went and first footed on my local family. I had a great time, yeah, it's been fantastic, thank you. Ah, a wee dram, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Good, <laughs> right. Uh, listen, Richie Wheel, uh, Happy New Year to you and the family. And Happy New Year uh, to you, yours, uh, Frida. <laughs> yeah, and I'll introduce the team in a minute and our special guest writer and storyteller, Jess Smith. Oh. And we just kind of hang about, Richie. Busy as usual. <laughs> we start as we mean to go on with this track for a new CD called The Best of John McCuster. This is The Big Man.
the big man through the best are John McCusker and UCD that there's some lovely melodies. Melodies, sheer music with notes that touch the soul. That's what we need, soul touching. And I also need to introduce the team. Appearing on the programme today is past curator of the Edinburgh Botanics, vice chair of the National Trust of Scotland, Mr David Mitchell. Gave a lot. Hi, Frida. Happy New Year to you. How are you today now that Santa's gone? Was he good to you? Well, Santa's been pretty good to me, I can tell you. And oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm to hear that. You deserve it. I'm, as I speak, I'm wearing my new knitted bonnet <laughs> as I, I, I speak to you, and it's a cracker from a lady who knitted it specially. You come to the island of Lewis, so mm-hmm. thank you for that. It's beautiful. Okay, Dave, such a focus in this episode. Well, I'm going to be speaking about the alchemy, going for a walk outdoors, or just in your head when you're sitting in the armchair when it's blowing a hoolie outside or you're snod in up to your oaksters. It's not just about putting you in leg past the other. There's more to it than that. Well, that's true. We'll hear more about that later. And up in Loch Haber, we're cooked to the stars. Hello, Claire Patterson. Hello, Claire. Hello. Hiya, Frida. Happy New Year. And you think was your hoggers like quiet, wild parties, oh. that sort of thing? Oh, well, we had plenty of moose to feed in the big house, but um, I did make it down to the, the local brewery for a few ales and a wee hoolie after that, so <laughs> <laughs> it was no bad. Oh, was it? Was there a local band? There's a, yeah, a local band from the next village over who were absolutely cracking, and then um, I dip in the loch this morning, the, oh, the annual Looney Duke, just to clear did away you, the cobwebs. Did brave. you do a Looney Duke? <laughs> we do it every year, Frida, every uh, year. And it's, never it never gets better, it never gets better. Never tell us that before, never tell us that before. Right, uh, okay, quick smidgen of fitting your menu of the day. Well, Frida, today we've got a couple of easy recipes if you've still got, got some entertaining to do, as you see, in the new year. Right. And then once you're ready for something a wee bit healthy and just to get rid of all those excesses of the festive season, we've got a, a nice salad and a and a quick and healthy pood. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Right. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce you know, my favourite folk on this earth, a great pal. And one of the best companions in the world. Welcome to this program, storyteller, author for Bonnie Persa, Jess Smith. Hello, Jess. Oh, hello, Frida. And are the best to you as the year comes oh, on. Oh, thank you. Right. Did you make any New Year resolutions this year, Jess? Well, actually, I did. Davy and I got married in Hogmanay. And so every Hogmanay, I look at them, I watch them getting greyer and teeth fan out and all sorts of things. And I say to myself, I'm going to take my man up the hill with me. He used to climb up the hills with us and that. But when I started writing, he decided he was just going to be in low ground. So it's 55 years that we're married this there in Hogmanay. So I've decided to promise him in the air so if he climbs up the hills <laughs> again <laughs> I'm sick speaking to myself going up the hills <laughs> good for you and good for Davey as well I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that and we'll be speaking about your books your campaigns your travelling life and the, the tinker's heart of course and your storytelling later in the programme just looking forward to that thank you for you and in the other shed or virtual shed intranent now I left this team member to last because we have news we have news. On behalf of the team and our guest, Jess Smith, Steve Byrne, congratulations on your new appointment as Director of Tracks, Traditional Arts and Culture Scotland. We are alpha pleased 
to hear the news. We're pleased to hear the news, folks. Hey. Aye, aye. Oh, it was oh, wonderful. Aye. Wonderful. Aye. Wonderful. Congratulations. I love the noises. Okay, Steve, when did you start? Uh, the plan is to, to start sometime in March. We haven't quite got the dates in the diary yet, but in uh, two or three months' time. Okay, we'll hear Marywood tracks later on. But in the meantime, another wee bit of music. We've quite a bit of music in this episode because January is just an awful busy month. We've got Celtic Connections Festival, Up Hillier, Flinging Fiery Bars and Barrels Arby, then the Clayty, Burns Collections and Celebrations, of course, and we've just commuted the BBC MG Arbor Trad Music Awards. And again, our congratulations to all the nominations and winners. More information about the results on our Scots Radio website on www.scotsradio.com. Beth Malcolm won Scots Singer of the Year. This is Beth. We are recording through Celtic Connections with the band Nightworks and the BBC SSO. This is Gloomy Winter. Gloomy winter's new Soft westland breezes blow And silver saws with burning dogs Among my darling Fleur's early bell Decks Glenifer's dewy bell Blooming like your bonny cell Mine, my darling, did Come, my lassie, let us stray Spend the morning Bye. 
Right, a voice for the recording. That was uh, Beth Malcolm with Gloomy Winter with the band Nightworks and the BBC SSO at Celtic Connections. And what a voice, as I said, congratulations to Beth for winning the Scots Singer of the Year Award at the Trad Awards in Dundee in a Kenner granddad, Charlie Allen, would be half a proud. I worked with Charlie for many years on the Thurman programme. It was just lovely to see a new generation coming through. And Steve, you were saying that Beth, of course, worked for many years doing Intranent as well. Aye, she was a teacher, a teacher of history at the high school here for a while. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Right, so now I have the pleasure of welcoming my New Year guest, specially chosen for this moment in history, for history and tradition is that she embraces and embodies. If I ever have to choose a spiritual guide and a mentor, it will be my guest, storyteller, author of the Persia and the world. Welcome, Jess Smith. Jess, hello, come in. Hello, Freda. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I hope you pay me. I'll be your spiritual guide, all right. <laughs> okay. You've you been my spiritual guide, as you said. <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm going to speak about their books, but take us back to that moment when you decided to be a writer. Oh, well, th there was actually a, a few reasons, I think, uh, but one of them was when I was, uh, my daddy was writing his story and he worked so hard at it. It was about his life as a wee laddie, as a travelling boy, you know, in all the areas around about him. And I used to go and visit him in Glenrothes and watch him writing and I thought, oh, I must read this. I can't wait to get my hands on it. But he passed away. He sent it off to Hamish Henderson and he passed away and nothing came of it. So maybe it was that or maybe it was the fact that when I was coming off a hill in Glencoe, actually, Etoff Beg, the wee, the wee Etoff, coming off that hill, I couldn't hear the piper at the Pasig Link Hole and it was the lack of these pipes that made me think hey that would have been Big Willie or that would have been a Stuart or a McDonald it would have been the Old Weaver it would have been some of them because that's where they made their money up at the rest Loch Lomond side or doing at the you know at the Glen and that made me think that maybe my culture was was just waning a bit and and I started to think about the old ways and I started to remember that when my daddy drove a bus onto the Dilfallandy Park field, the walkers field in Pitlochery, and says to my mummy when she was doing her scrubbing outside with her scrubbing board and her carbolic soap and doing nappies, he says, Jeannie, look, I've brought you a mansion. The mummy was waiting in a house because at that time most travellers after the war had been moving into houses and, you know, putting their wings to school and that. But he didn't want to. My father was full of shrapnel after a bomb exploded in his tank and that and it was 1953 and he was just yearning to go I didn't can I was only five but there there I was on his shooters you know sitting in the bus saying daddy can I sleep in this seat and daddy can I bite here there and everywhere we went on the road mommy said I'll go on the road for a year but my daddy said aye aye but he didn't want to get up that bus and he was in there we all were for 10 years. So I went through ages of 5 to 15 living in that bus and that's a heck of a lot of stories about the tatties and the berries and hawking the doors and all that. So I had my own story to write and fate had a hand in it because uh, I went to a Stuart Blair concert, met Morris Fleming, ex-editor of the Scots magazine and Hamish, who was in a wheelchair at that time, Hamish Henderson. And, and you know, there was enough spark going between the three of us 
even although Hamish wasn't able to understand what I was saying, uh, that I was going to write my story. So I started, joined the writer's group, you know, got computer lessons and things like that, keyboard and start. And thank God for Microsoft Word because I didn't learn to spell very well, only going to school, you know, between end of tatties and uh, the yellow and the broom when we went off. So I had my story to write. My heart was in it and I wrote from my heart. I didn't care I could write, but oh my goodness, the, the stories just flew for me. Sent them off to Morris Fleming. He says, yeah, I'm listening to this this story. I, I like this. And he got publisher and everything like that. And before I came where I was, Who's first book him? was out. Yep, Jesse's Journey was number one in the Scottish biographies oh, after and you, only and you've about got, six you've months. Got, you've got six books. You've got Jesse's Journey, books, yeah. and you've got uh, Tears for a Tinker and Tales yep. for the Tent. These are the autobiographical yeah. uh-huh. books, haven't you? And then you've got The Way of the Wanderers and Sook and Berries. Sook and Berries. So that's the stories. I love Sook and Berries. And, of course, you've got Brewer's Rest. Right. Yeah, that, that was my favourite. That was my Jess, favorite. Jess, fit about reading a wee bit for your book. In your books, just choosing. Well, do you know, Frida, just to finish off that, but my dad, Steve, actually 12 years after me searching for that manuscript, uh, Steve found it. Steve Byrne found it oh. in Hamish's records and presented it to me at the Storytelling Centre with Hamish's widow, Kitzel. Oh. So that's a story and a half, isn't it? It's a story and a half. It is. Right, a wee bit for your book. Okay, when I was a wee lassie, I was always, it bothered me why when I went to, you know, I went to a new school, you were always a new a new lassie, everybody wants to be your pal. And then when they discovered a bit in the bus and I was part of the travelling folk, it was nobody wanted to be your pal. So I wrote the Scotiabern for all the characters that had loved me and hated me. Because I used to say to Mammy, Mammy, why did that lassie kick me? Why did they pull my hair? She says, there's something wrong with folk that do that head. There's nothing wrong with you because she didn't want to do that. And then I'd say, but, you know, what's why they think I'm so bad? And then she would say things like, listen, they'll never live as long as you have to see the things that you have. They'll just be miserable. Looked after. So I'll read you a wee bit from the Scotiabern Frida, uh, yes, it may be said you're better than I and your peers have obviously blessed you with a grand home, fine clothes and the best schooling and good food, etc. I, on the other hand, I saw life from the mouth of a tinker's tent, but I have felt the breath wind of John O'Groats and I've seen the hills of Glencoe closed in purple heather. I've heard their mountaintops whisper a thousand curses on the murderers of the Macdonald Burns. The ghosts of Culloden brushed against my cheek as I sat in a rock seat watching heaven's lightning streak across the land to the sea beyond. Can you say you've tasted the first ripened strawberries of Blair Gowrie, sucked on rasps until the red juices filled your taste buds with flavour fit for the gods? Is there a time in your life you've washed in the early morning dew in a field flowering with cowslip, pink clover and wild daisies? Did you ever swim below the belly of a giant basking shark? Have you sung to a curious selkie? Have you heard the weasel's whistle pierce the eardrums of a hypnotised rabbit? Seen the fear in the eye in the monarch of the glen as the stalker's finger pulls back upon his gun? Did your protective parents tell you tales of the feared Fian warriors of Glen Lyon? Do you know how old the yew tree of Fortingale is? Have you ever listened to a deaf child sing a beautiful Scottish ballad, music and words unwritten? 
Have you tasted the morning milk from the cow before she suckled her calf, or tasted the freezing waters of a barn at its source? Have you ever watched the dolphins follow the Lord of the Isles as she sails majestically from Oban to Mull, saw a fight to the rest between two traveller warlords ruled by their forefathers and adhering to the rules of their clan? Have you seen the banshee washing shrouds at the river's edge in the thick ghostly mist of a lonely glen? Have you held the hand of an old woman as she breathes her last breath and stretches her body for the last time. I am a child of the mist. What are you? Oh, Jess. <laughs> you know, this was just transfixed. I don't know about that. I can, I can speak right. for the, the team. Oh, yeah. That was just beautiful. Just beautiful. Oh, bless. Thank you. And you know, it's not the first time you've, you've transposed me into a different world because I, I, I'm referring, of course, that, that moment at the reenactment of the Battle of Killy Cranky. Well, you and Davey were in your caravan. I was in my camper van, and we were allowed to stay overnight. And of course, the yes. general public had gone because it's a whole weekend thing. And, and uh, the, the soldiers were still in their uniform, but they were sitting around their campfires. And Davey, myself, and Jess got invited to join you know, the, the soldiers' campfires and sing some songs. And I remember looking up, folks, and Jess was standing, and the smoke was going, you know, blind past her, and she was standing with a, a tartan play drooner over her shoulder singing a ballad and it was in the still of the night on the battlefield of Kiligranke with the soldiers in their uniform I guarantee I I had an outlander experience I was transposed <laughs> I went through time at that very moment we started talking about you are my spiritual leader I've never had an oh, experience like it it was unplanned we just walked to the fire we had great fun I, I, I've got to put in I was made an honorary member of the Irish Fusiliers remember uh, they, put, they put me in. Yes, I certainly do. It was a great experience. What an adventure we had. <laughs> the other adventure I have fun. to mention, I have to mention, was when I was recording with you and Sheila Stewart, a programme for BBC Scotland, about the cant. Now, tell, tell yes. us, tell, tell, what is the cant, Jess? Well, it's a language and I would be lying if I knew anything that I could share with you that uh, its origins, but because the cant was different, you know, you had the Highlanders on the West Coast and the Islanders spoke a different cant that was called the Tinker's language or the, uh, excuse my Gaelic, Beerla Regard, or I think uh-huh. that's how it's said. And then you had the Doric cant, I mean, Stanley used to blether away. Stanley Robertson, and yeah. then you had um, the Border cant, which was different. Always, mm-hmm. in many ways, I think, you know, travellers or the old history of gypsies uh, were... You were an outlawed if you were one. You know, King James the First or King James the Sixth had decided that the the beggars, the vagrants, uh, were had to be, you know, just scoured off the face of the earth. So you were running and hiding a lot of the times. You were wrapping your wee bairns up in shawls and just getting away into the woods and wherever you could just hide from uh, soldiers or anybody want to make a shilling by selling your body to a sheriff. It was terrible times, and I think the can't do wings during that time and words were joined together and you know spoken backwards and and even the Gaelic you know you'll find the I I 
can't work for road. Simple road for us is uh, Tober. And uh, and that kind of joins up where if you're going to go on a land road, you're going to get the well at the end of it. So the Tober was your journey. And then when the polis were coming onto yeah. a campsite, you know, you could be innocent folk. You would just say, here's the, you know, here's the, the uh, oh, I can't say the word, there's about half a dozen different words for uh, the polis. Just, just <laughs> tell, give, us, give us something in count. Oh, how could I say, Barry Hantel, Mangan among me, and I mean you guys. You know this is it. Oh, there's a chavi there. There's a gadget. There's a manishi. There's a wee oh. a wee mort that's going to tell us all about cooking. So there's just wee words and that. But I mean oh. I didn't use it anymore. It's almost just the minute that we were on the road, we were like into the cant, all of us, and we were visit up with our relatives in different parts before we headed to Blair Gowry at the Berries, and we're cracking away and manging away, and we're, you know, when it was great. <laughs> but then when you you'd leave all all the, the families that, that make up the whole culture of the Berries and that, were all just cracking away. The, you kind of had to speak English or not even Scottish. The schools were like, talk proper English. So you, you weigh up what you talk, what you use the most to communicate with folk and you find that your, your wee golden nuggets of cant words get less and less and... Mm-hmm. I decided to compile the cant with a, a fella in England called Robert Dawson. So there's a cant book out there somewhere. And it's not because I want to share the cant with everybody. It's simply because if you don't have a language, you don't have a culture. So, you know, we, we were denied so much, even after Culloden and after the clearances in Ireland and, and the famine in Ireland, we were, we were just, we just had to go a bit like Desjardins uh, to be accepted, segregating that. But there's a lot of our heart went out to us, you know, mm-hmm. when we were doing that. That's why the berries were so crucial to us in tatty time, because we could sit round about the campfires and we could diddle the burns on our knees and the old men got to tell the stories and things like that. I miss all that. You know, I, I would like that if that came back, even if it just came back in an entertainment way. Well, we're up for it because you suggested before we started this programme saying that you would half like to just be with us with a campfire. And I think we're all in favour of that idea, mm-hmm. Jess. But listen, let's hear a break there and, and mere to hear, but just catch breath and listen to this track for the band Braybach for one the Scots Folk Band of the Year at the Trad Music Awards in Dundee recently. This is Braybach. See their album, Frenzy of the Meeting. This is the Western Isles Dance.
Scots folk band of the year, Brebach, with a Western Isles dance for their album Frenzy of the Meeting. Now, before that, I was speaking with my programme special guest, author and storyteller Jess Smith, hearing about Jess's life as a traveller and her mission and focus to support the travelling culture and help the understanding of that culture. Now, part of that concerned the preservation of an important place called the Tinker's Heart. So, Jess, let's get the story first. Thick is the Tinker's Heart. Well, the Tinker's Heart sits in a crossroads opposite Hells Glen, which joins Hells Glen with the road to Dunoon coming up for Cairndow, overlooking Lawfine. It was a place, it used to be a campsite, and we played there as bairns, but, you know, you didn't make any connection when you're a bairn. You just, it's just a playground. Everywhere's a playground. So when I did a talk in Dunoon, and a lady said to me, oh, it's an awful shame about your tinker's hair. It's it's sad that it's in that shape. And I thought, what's she talking about? And then I minded a place, a wee humpy back bridge at the military road over the other side at the bottom of the rest and be thankful. Uh, there was a, a place where travellers used to marry there and I wondered if that was it. And she says, no, it's your tinker's heart just up the road a bit. And then something struck me. Ah, the white stone. She says, I, I said, I used to play around about them when I was... She says, well, you couldn't play around about them now. So Dave and I, before we headed home, we went up the road and had a look. And my God, there was bits of albracket, you know, just stones and stuff all lying over it, dung and everything. And it was as if something looked at me from all that rubbish that was lying about broken pallets. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a voice, it was just something inside me says, here's your culture, you know, you're writing about it, you're meeting people, you're remembering with other people about the travellers that came to the area and here you are at your place where they got married. And it was almost like I was hearing the, the sadness and it was, oh, well, we're all finished, there's no culture left. And that's when I decided to find out more about who owned the land, how it got in that state, its whole story. So I, I had to include... Mike Russell, who thankfully I was so, so glad that I met him. I was doing the reply to the lassies at the Perth Burns Club, the, the Burns Night, and he was doing the Immortal Memory and we were at the, the top table, so we're cracking away. So I got in touch with him and I told him and he says, oh, well, that's something I didn't know about. So he took his camera and went away up and he took some pictures and he says, let's get this place cleaned up, he says, and let's see how we can preserve it. So really, it was thanks to Mike Russell that I had the, you know, the, the doors were opened for, for me to talk to Historic Scotland or Historic Environment Scotland and the, the forestry and the local landowner and a group that our cousins belong to, here we are. And we opened everything up and it was just like, let's see how we clean up of this place. So thankfully, the, the landowner did clean it up. So in 2012, Jess, he proposed the, the Tinker's Heart for a monument uh, status, uh, but it was declined it by listed. Historic Scotland, wasn't it? It was declined then. It was that. because they said it, uh, it wasn't, you know, it had been moved. So we had to prove that it hadn't been moved. And again, lots of lovely folk came involved and uh, used their expertise to discover, you know, w what was the story of the road. The road had been realigned in 1969 and making the Tinker's Heart crossroads of, it was just, you know, kaboot, that was it. Nobody used the road. So the cows were put onto it and the, the road was taken over. So in 2014, you launched a campaign to have this decision overturned and it worked. 
it worked because it in June did. 2015, the heart became a, a scheduled monument. A scheduled monument. Petition in Parliament. Parliament petition is fantastic. Congratulations for that. It wasn't a hard job convincing the politicians that it had a specific, you know, importance to the travellers. No. Jess, can I ask you to read another bit for your book? I thought I would read this poem. It's called The Tinker's Grave, and it was written by a fellow called John Gilbert. Is that okay, Frida? Yeah, it'd be a lovely thing to do. Thank you, Jess. In the drowsy sound of a murmuring burn, far men in the hair to a bosky glen, there they left the tinker sleeping, but war, there's none but the tinker's ken. Was it close to the silvery stream of the urn, or set by the rookle's rocky bed? The fairies that dance on the lednick's banks, did they lull his sleep with their airy tread? His bed was lined with the soft green mosses, his shroud was the tent he had sleeped in. His dirge was the tune of that wimpling burney played in the sue of the soft west wind. Our hymn they made the tinker ritual, they merged in the grave and they keep it time, chatter nigh away a mystic mutter, some cryptic words in a queer old rhyme. The lovelorn Merrill, there in the lyrics, singing his mate to sleep for the night, soon did the last post hour the tinker, full and clear in the fading light. Never a mound did the raise a bonum, nor chisel a stain for his grave to mark, that unkent spot in the phantom country that lies merged and twixt the licht and the dark. There in the land o' mellow and gloaming, where the even shadows begin to far, where the nicht comes quietly creeping for it, and the day goes gently wassin' awa. And the drowsy soon to that murmuring burney, far ben in the hair to that bosky glen, there they left a tinker sleeping, war, well, there's none but the tinker's ken. Oh, yes, you know, oh, you can understand why I just get totally wrapped up in, in the time and the moment. That is the, the art of the storyteller, the art at its finest. Jess, thank you. So many stories, so many journeys we've been on, and I'm hoping you and me and Davy can do a lot more journeys together in the future. Oh, I hope so too. It was I had such great fun and oh just just and I've still got the hack you gave me at Killy Grant. I love my hack. That's good. Dinner gonna walk because I'm sure you'll want to join in the conflaps coming up. Then I feel that you've done your, your bit because when they end kind of hand slots for folk, but tennis, that was just fantastic. Oh bless. Before we bring on any further music again, this is Hamish Napier for his album The Woods. This is The Foragers.
Miss Napier, Faye's album, The Woods, and a track card, The Foragers. I love that album. Now, earlier I joined the chums here congratulating our esteemed team member, Steve Byrne, on his recent appointment as Director of Tracks, Traditional Arts and Culture Scotland. I'm half pleased to hear the news, Steve, so as a starter, tell us about Tracks and the work it does. Thanks, Frida. Well, Tracks come into being about 10 years sign. It's an alliance, I suppose you would cry it, of three different forums uh, or colloques. The Traditional Music Forum, the Scottish Storytelling Forum and the Traditions of Dance Forum for Scotland. And it's basically uh, one of what you would cry, you know, the regularly funded organisations for Creative Scotland. And Ilka year, uh, we get the funding basically to gang out and put our voices together to to mark the traditional arts, hear a louder voice out in, in, in the wider public. And the Arkins of different events, uh, we do things like the People's Parish, where the minute we're in different communities across Scotland, nine different places they new, working with local folk to gather their traditions and, and celebrate them in creative ways. Traditional music forums done things like the Directory of Trad Musicians, and there's been artist residencies for the, the dance folk. So... I'm kind of in place to, to help drive that for it and, and uphold and, and to further the, the voice of traditional arts and communities across Scotland and, and you know, our, our languages, Scots, Gaelic, Cant, the, the whole shebang. That is a big, big job. I went to I did nine different places uh, in the People's Parish. That's impressive, Steve. Nine different projects going on. Lovely. Very important work. Right. Other bits we've asked you to do before we heard the news was looking at, definitely your, your 40s, the traditions of the world. New Year traditions this time. What did you come up with? Aye, so I've delved into a bra muckle book cried Dumfries and Galloway, People and Place, edited by Kenneth Veach and the late Ted Cowan. You'll mind Ted, the biordner historian that uh, passed away about this time last year and much missed and a great character. Somebody that made, uh, I suppose, history half accessible to folk. And it's full of wealth of information on the area uh, doing Dumfries and Galloway today with the, the Regional Ethnologies Scotland project. So... Uh, wee bits and pieces. In the second half of the, the 18th century, whiskey became cheap and easily available. Oh. And uh, apparently, it was described that New Year became an alcoholic carnival. <clears throat> Eventually acquired the status quo <laughs> like day a mischief. I, I'm not sure it's changed much, but there you go. <laughs> and in Dumfries, they would say, Ah, the foolish pranks of pulling down the signs, bracken lamps, and dragging kerts into the public streets and anything. But eventually folk came down and there was a poet in Langham and the, the Estill and Liddesdale advertiser wrote, Can we forget the happy times when long afore day licht we lids of pans and all tin cans we tried the folk to fricht? And the carrying on became a bit more organised and respectable, apparently. <laughs> in Wigtoon in 1849, they had donkey and foot races around the Toon Square. Wait, 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 no, rewind a wee bit of there. Foot kind of races? Donkey and foot races. It says donkeys. <laughs> Aye, I'm not sure if it's. I mean, donkey and on fit or if it's two different races. I'm not sure. Folk chasing donkeys in the square. I'm no idea. <laughs> but uh, that was after the night having been carrying the tar barrels around uh, and and all that. And, and it's the following afternoon was calmer, and they had a band and fancy dress processions and get around the tune and played football. And I mean, obviously, Wigtoon was the place to be. Mm-hmm. Another thing that was a tradition was uh, pluing matches. They were first held at the end of the 18th century and became widespread. And the season I started in, in December and many of them took place around the new year. And as many as 20 plumen would here go competing for their reputation and to, to bear the gree. And mm-hmm. pen punt in 1890, half a dozen tablespoons were offered for the mace, trig-looking loon, horse <laughs> and gear. 
For the mace deuce or quiet horse, you would get half a croon. The chill with the longest service would get a stain of beef. The boy with the mace burns would get a kiss to preserves for the convection around them. <laughs> the lad with the mace burns at the skill would get a currant loaf and a pun de tea. Whoa, whoa, back again. The lad with the mace burns at the school. Aye. And the man that was merit mace recent would get a teapot and a pair of clogs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what, that's, I mean you can't beat that. That's that's, that's just me. Raffles can rival that these days. So, a couple of wee traditions for uh, Kirk Maiden and Port Logan. It was a custom to do a thing called cream the well, creaming the well at midnight, which was to tack the first water that you would draw at New Year. And some folks said it would bring lasses luck in finding a man. And you had to keep your fire going on echt, as no neighbour would give you a live peat, like a, a peat that was, was a licht, a lowy licht, uh, to get your fire going again. You wasn't to put any water, ashes, or anything out the house on New Year's Day, and you weren't to sell anything or lend anything out. So for luck, you could chuck a sheaf of unthreshed grain into elk a bed on New Year's Day, and you make some of your horse or kai to wish them a happy New Year. We're speechless. I'm still wondering about the money with the clogs and the teapot. Congratulations. You're supposed to dance and mug the tea. But uh, I'm just thinking, uh, I have a film on Scots radio I filmed up in the Lonach Hall a few years ago, a Jock Duncan singing the uh, amazing song with actions, uh, the, the Tradesman's Pluing Match at Hogmanay. Oh, right. Oh, it's a classic. If you can find that, it's on the video um, that is in the website. Cracking. I've seen it live a time or two, and it's just fantastic. Aye, it's just a, a, a film and up in the long much, haul. Much, missed. Much, much missed. Aye, just a cracker. Absolute fantastic. Oh, right. Far was the music again. Thank you, Steve. And this is uh, for Duncan Chisholm for his new album called Black Coolin. This is To the High Mountains.
isn't that beautiful? To the high mountains for the Duncan Chisholm's new album, The Black Coolin. And I was just telling him the story about the high jinks and low jinks and used to get up to doing about here. And I'm not going to tell you the entire story. But yes, I did fire through the bar along the lines of Del Boy. I missed the axe of the bar top and pulled the hell lot down on top of me. And uh, it was a, well, there was a sheet over the door that was on top of six-foot posts as were bar, as we are tend to do in these parts. So I fell through the bar and was kind of, you know that point, rowing about, round amongst treacle like a golich in that song. I can't remember the song. <laughs> she will tell me in a minute. But yet, I will um, never be let forget about, it might not time you fell through the bar. So it's still, still high jinx and low jinx some places. Long may it continue. <laughs> okay, we turn to matters of the heart. I refer, of course, to food and the wonderful recipes of our cook, Claire Patterson. Claire, these are fast our recipes for the New Year table. Well, Frida, I mean, it might be New Year, but we're not quite finished with the, the celebrating and the, the visiting and the having, having folks around. So I've got a couple of the recipes when you've got some, some visitors who need a wee nibble. So here today we've got a pear and blue cheese toast with candied walnuts. And the nuts are great to have around and they're also a great wee addition to a winter salad I'll be talking about later on. So for the candied nuts, you preheat your oven to 150 degrees Celsius and then toss a couple of handfuls of pecans or walnuts with a tablespoon of melted butter, a tablespoon of maple syrup or light brown sugar if you've not got maple syrup, a big pinch of salt and a wee pinch of cayenne pepper for a wee bit of spice. Spread those out on a baking sheet lined with parchment paper and you bake them for about 10 or 15 minutes, stirring off until they're really toasty smelling and they're just slightly caramelised. They'll be a wee bit soft when they come out, but they'll crisp up as they cool down. And then for the toast, thinly slice a baguette, bake it for a few minutes aside till it's just lightly golden and crispy. Mash up a bit of blue cheese really well with a fork until it's gone really, really creamy and spread that onto your toast and top it with a wee bit of peeled and diced pear and a wee sprinkle of some of those lovely candied nuts that you've chopped up. And then to go along with that, we've got some little tartlets. So this is made with phyllo pastry and I'm filling them with squash and feta cheese. I make them in a wee teeny tiny muffin tin, so the wee cups are only about an, an inch across, oh, so they're oh. bite-sized. But if you've not got a wee teeny tiny muffin tin, you can make them in a normal bun tin, um, so they'll be <laughs> a two, bite, two bites. <laughs> so I layer three sheets of phyllo pastry, brush it in between with a wee bit of melted butter, and then cut that into squares that'll fit the holes of your tin, press them in wheel, and bake those for maybe 10 minutes at 180 Celsius until they're nice and golden and crisp. For the filling, half and de-seed a butternut squash. Season it well, brush it with oil, roast it for about an hour until it's really tender. Scoop out the flesh from the skin and whiz it up to a puree with a wee splash of cream and a good grating of nutmeg. And you can do that ahead of time and then you can give it a wee quick heat over some boiling water or in the microwave or however you wish. Pipe it, spoon it into the wee filo cases and top that with a wee bit of feta cheese and a few toasted pine nuts. See, Jess, Claire makes that sound so simple, doesn't she? She's just, this is what you do. And it it is simple, great. Frida. It is simple. <laughs> Jess, are you a good cook? Absolute rubbish. Oh, oh. join the club. My mouth's watering listening to Claire here. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to go back to the bus for a minute. There was nine... There's eight sisters you had in the bus, Jess. There was eight of us, yeah, seven sisters. 
seven sisters, or eight of you, aye, seven sisters, and your mum and dad. So, I mean, feeding Aberdeen would have been quite a, a big task every meal, wouldn't it? Somebody must have been a good cook. Well, my mummy was, she just flung everything in a pot. We called it a slurach. A slurach. You know, they'd be neep and tatty and a slurach, oh, yeah. Everything was all piled in together. Mummy just ladled it out into a plate and we all helped, for, or we helped for sale and that. I loved it. I, it didn't matter what it was. Because I was a week and a stoop creator and uh, I, so I was a pot licker. So as far as <laughs> cooking goes, no. I just licked the pot. Okay, now, this being the season for food and suppers and our shapes and sizes, hundreds, maybe thousands throughout the land being created, celebrating the memory of our national bar, Robert Burns, and this is one of my favourite Burns songs, sung by Robin Stapleton. This is The Westland Winds. The Westland Winds and slaughtering guns Bring autumn's pleasant weather The moorcock springs on whirring wings Among the blooming
gently walk and sweetly talk Till the silent moon shines clearly I'll grasp thy waist and fondly praise Swear how I love thee dearly Not vernal showers to budding flowers Not autumn to the farmer So dear can be as thou to me I fail my lovely charmer Oh yes Westland Winds by Robert Burns sung by Robin Stapleton and we were just saying during that, that that was written by Robert Burns when he was 16 am I right there Steve 16 right, right. around that time and it was either the, one of the first songs he'd ever written or maybe it was the first. It's just amazing. Richt on the gang, on the gang. Davy Mitchell likes the magic of the widdies, feeling the atmosphere and the sense of place. Widdies have a special spirit, he says, and are close to his heart. Dave, hour to you. I would do that, Frida. And, uh, just like that bit of music, you know, it reminds me so much of Galloway. I think Galloway's a great land where you can see the shape of the trees and the full framework of the branches, especially at this time of year in the winter. You can trees have an awful beautiful architecture, sinuous curves that defy gravity. It never ceases to amaze me how they can hold up hundreds of tons of timber up in the air at angles that engineers can emulate. And when you see them against the sunset or the sunrise, they're just wonderful. Or, or when they're dusted with that gentle rime of frost, or that cotton wool-like first fall of snow, you can, when the world's hushed with hope and everything's equal to the eye. I love trees. They're, they're wonderful things. Right, now, question number one. January can be hard, Dave, I can that, and it's long and dour most of the time. But who do you deal with that? Oh, January can be a beast of a month. You can, after all the glitter and fuss of the festive season, you've got dark mornings and short days, a five-week month, and the weekends somehow are never as long as you'd like them to be. It's a <laughs> month that I find you hit to motivate your soul with the power of nature. Take a walk on a frosty morning. If you're biding in the dune through the park, on the edge of the dune along the canal side, or doing a lane or alongside a field margin, or if you're out in the country, maybe going a bit further afield, Again, maybe take a walk up round the wood, see if the snowdrops are starting to poke through, giving you a wee hint that spring's coming. Oh. Or maybe you'll get up onto the hill nearby and see if Brock, again, if he's, he's started redding out his house and getting ready for the spring. Or maybe you'll see Todd the fox on patrol. I see Todd here, he can a lot. I see more foxes now in the edge of the city than I ever did mm -hmm. when I grew up in the countryside. Especially if I got in early in the morning, when the day's just getting its sleep out of its seen. But again, you're thinking to yourself, aye, that's fine if it's a bonny day, but what if it's hanging with mist and pouring with rain? Well, me, I've gone for a walk just the same. Why? Simply because it's good for you. I'm, admittedly, I'm no keen on going when it's minging and hanging with mist, but I'm even learning to like that, Frida, because it makes you look at the world differently, and you see things. The things you can see, you look at them closer. Mm -hmm. And I love walking in the rain. Again, that sounds daft, but there's nothing better as seeing nature getting her face washed, again, and looking shiny and bright. Now, the other day, 
when we were blathering about this sort of thing, you said mm-hmm. to me, do I go in myself or do I go in company? And I've thought mm-hmm. about that. I think it really depends what's about and what they feel like then. Sometimes it's good to go in with others and hear blether and put the world to rights, but it's just as good to go in yourself or go in with a dog. It doesn't talk back. And if you think back to Boxing Day and New Year's Day, I bet you'll see a wiener folks out for a walk and mm-hmm. getting out of the house with family and friends. But walking's no just for January. You should be walking and getting out in the daylight and the fresh air all year round. There's nothing like a walk in January to lift your spirits, especially after family and friends have departed. And it, it, it doesn't need to be a marathon. It doesn't need to be a long hike. Oh, you can do that if you want. It's good for you. All you need is just a wee motivation. Going for an hour. Your two legs, maybe a stick if you're getting older. And I like to tuck the dog because, well, it's the best personal trainer you can get. <laughs> right. No, I can't get you <laughs> fond of the woods in spring for the wild flowers day, but what's your favourite kind of walk at this time of year? Oh, Frida, that's hard. Uh, I'd have a frosty morning any time among the trees. But now that we're getting milder winters, and, you know, that that's a bit of a rare gift. So it's got to be a walk on the beach, rain, hail or shine. Calm or blown a good draft, I'm no bother. I love to see the tide when it's wild, the shape and the form of the waves, the rise and fall of the gulls. Can the eye looks a free in the air? And I I, I kinda of chilled when I look at the bobbing ease of the eider ducks, can the sea duke or the golden eye, the gaudy, sitting there rafting, just bobbing about as though nothing's wrong with the world. Man, they look that relaxed. Especially when you compare them to the scurrying about and nebbing and poking at the feeding waders like reed shanks, the pillies, or the kitty neddies, the common <laughs> sandpipers, or poking about for wee mollusks and worms and beasties and all that. But if you didn't live near the sea, yeah, again, I, I, I suggest you get along the riverside. You might see Lang Sandy, the heron, again, stalking patiently, waiting for his tea. Look at the trees when you get along the riverside. They're a different shape to what they are in the woods. They're a different forum. They're often multi-stemmed, and sometimes the older ones are leaning defiant, clinging to the bank with age. But mind, when you're going along the riverside, stick to the path, then you're going slithering about the banks or on slippery wheat rocks, especially when there's heavy water. And it's the same on the beach. Just keep back for the surge. Just mind, nature's bonny, but she's got nae in. She doesn't see you the way you see her, and she'll go on her own way. So watch what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, just look after yourself. Right, Dave, last question, okay? If the weather's wild and calm and you can't get outside, think about taking a walk for the for the chair, for the arms here. Oh, well, I, I like a good book that follows in the footsteps of others, you know, and a walk in your heads is good as anywhere. I like books that help me to revisit places and things I've seen myself, but looking at them through the eyes of others, I've just finished reading John Muir's A Thousand Mile Walk to the Gulf, which describes his journey in 1867 from Indiana right across the southern states of America to the Gulf of Mexico. And I had another wee short book of his called The Mountains of California, which brought back a lot of memories of my Danners in Kings Canyon in California. If I want a book about going to the sea, because you can't, I'm fond of the sea, then I, I like Rachel Carson and her book, Under the Sea Wind, can she uses her evocative prose to talk about the turbulent challenges that creatures that live in a marine environment face throughout the year. 
for their very survival. There's another book she wrote called The Sea Around Us, which is beautiful and makes the science of the oceans and the seas and the currents and the birthday islands. She even talks about climate change in it. She had an awful nice essay for young bairns, for folk with families. It's called A Sense of Wonder, and it helps families to find that looking at nature through new eyes themselves so that they can become their own guides and help their bairns to see it differently. Robert Louis Stevenson wrote a lovely essay too called Walking Tours in which he describes how his mood changes as he walks throughout the day and how it's good for, wait a minute, physical well-being, achievement and reward. That's what we're all getting dealt today. But I think the most inspiring thing I have when I'm sitting in the armchair is the writings of a man called Lawrence Vanderpost, who wrote a book called A Walk with a White Bushman. And he says in that, we all have a first man in ourselves, and it is by making what is first and oldest, new and contemporary, that we become creative. And I would just encourage Aubrey, whether you're sitting in the armchair or going for a walk outside, to use January to be release your creativity. Then he sit gawking at the telly, get outside, burn off the carries, blow away the cobwebs, and just mind, nature's gym is free. It doesn't cost you yacht. Mm. Oh, Dave, yes, you take a breath of water every time. Jess, you would have enjoyed that in particular. I came near a, mm, a oh, walker. just loved it. Oh, I just loved it's it. Yeah. Dave. I could take him in my pack, on my back, take him up the hill on them, <laughs> just to listen when to him. When you were talking earlier, Jess, I just thought it would be lovely to meet you and just go on for a donor somewhere and just see what we <laughs> see the world as you see it and you see it as I see it. And share share what we're oh, seeing. It's lovely. Yeah, she's a beautiful place. Can we come in her? Can we can can we come in her? What do you reckon, Jess? <laughs> yeah, come? I'll get the fire on the go. Yeah, great. I tell you what, and we we could hear Claire put something in the pot. <laughs> oh, aye. And a bit of music for Steve and Richie. That could be a grand gathering. That could be a grand gathering. It'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? We were great thing, right? Mere music. We need mere music to dance with. We need dancing now. This is for Sandy Ingram of Glams and his band for a series of dance music CDs, the Strathmore Airs and Graces, and it was a series of CDs given to me by Willie Duncan. And this is Sandy and Friends with a set of jigs. Talk your partners. <laughs>
Sandy Ingram of Glams and Friends with a set of jigs. That's fantastic. Right, and with that great style, we settle at the kitchen table again to witness the miracles and magic that is produced by our cook in our Lochaber kitchen. Come in again, Claire Patterson. These are next to our recipes before we go. Well, Frida, once the feast and a Christmas New Year's passed, time for something a wee bit more virtuous. So for, I'm starting here with a, a sprout salad with uh, apple and nuts. So I love raw sprouts and you can make them into sort of coleslaw. Or you can use them for this great winter salad with a honey and mustard dressing. So for the dressing, you mix together a very, very finely chopped shallot, zest and juice of a lemon, two tablespoons of whole grain mustard, two tablespoons white wine vinegar, two teaspoons of honey and a good pinch of salt. Mm-hmm. Once that's all kind of mixed together, whisk in seven or eight tablespoons of rapeseed oil or sunflower oil to form a dressing. You can check the seasoning, add a wee bit extra salt, wee bit extra honey, vinegar, just to your own taste. And then for the salads, shred up maybe 300 grams or thereabouts of Brussels sprouts. And if you've got a handful of those small Cavallonero leaves on the go, they're lovely as well, shred them up. And then add a peeled cored apple cut into wee matchsticks, toss in your dressing and some of those nuts that I was talking about earlier, some of those on top and that's you. So very healthy and very, um, very fresh, nice wintry oh, salad. Yes. Oh, and then for something, something, a guilt-free sweet for a change. There's no, huh? no double cream in this one. You'll be surprised to hear. <laughs> um, I've got a banana berry um, ice cream, inverted commas, because there's no cream. I make this with my kids all the time and it's really fun and healthy and it's also great when you're doing that New Year thing, you're clearing out the freezers, you're getting everything in in order and you find wee bags of berries that you've harvested during the year, this is a great way to use it up. So you peel, slice and freeze a couple of ripe bananas and I do this, see when they're starting to go a wee bit brown in the fruit bowl, mm-hmm. I do that so they're always there on hand. Pop them in a food processor or a high-speed blender with about 100 grams of your berries, any berries at all, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, whatever you've got, and you just start to pulse that. Add a wee bit of apple juice, maybe a tablespoon or so at a time, just to get things moving until it's all smooth and creamy, and it'll all form into this lovely, smooth, sort of homogenous kind of ice cream consistency. And you can have it straight away. It'll be quite soft. Or if you want it a wee bit firmer, stick it in the freezer in a wee pot and it's 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 ready to go. So that's great for the kids and great for everyone. Claire, it just sounds so, so lovely. So easy as well. Thank so you easy. so much for that. No, so easy. <laughs> and that just about talks us to the I know this episode of Scots Radio. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to the stories and being in the company. If it ever happens in this new year, we'll be here to offer a warm welcome and a bit of fun, all wrapped up in some information and half a fine music. So we're hard gone. Okay, you ins, a toast to the new year. Ian, see you are. Dave, fix your toast. Be good to others and mark the sunshine in their life and it will in your rain. Oh, boy. Claire, fix your rain. Uh, to the future, to the past, to your friends far and near. Lovely. Steve? Here's to them that's far away and here's to them that's nigh. Can drinking beer could bring them here, I'd drink the hill place dry. <laughs> Richie! <laughs> What's for you? Well, no go by you. Oh, boy, boy. And the last thing gangs to a special guest, Jess Fitzgerald. 
May you live as long as you want to, and want to as long as you live. I agree with as well. Right. My aim, may the wind I be at your back, and your tackets never roost. Just dinip it off. So we leave you with a track featuring one of my all-time favourites, the legendary Silly Wizard, recorded live at the Sanders Theatre, Cambridge, Massachusetts, in 1983. Tunes, scarce is and Lindhurst, so for me and the gang, Richie, Dave, Claire, Steve, and our special guest, Jess Smith. A toast after three. One, two, three. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Happy New Year.